You're listening to the We Are Limerick podcast. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt, and join me each week as we meet the people of Limerick who are making it the place it is today. You can keep up to date with all Limerick news by following the hashtag Keeping Limerick Posted across all social media channels or visiting limerickpost.ie. So for this week's episode of the We Are Limerick podcast, I'm joined by author Siobhan MacDonald. Siobhan, how are you? I'm great, thanks, Kian, and it's lovely to be on your show. Thank you for having me. No problem. It's been a, a while since we first met. It was uh, last year, I think. It feels you like last what? year. <laughs> it wasn't last year, and it, it feels like this last year. year. <laughs> it was January, January, and I remember standing outside the Limerick Post offices, and it was a blustery day, <laughs> and school kids going by in their school uniforms, and that feels like a million light years yeah, it, ago. It's I an alien think- world now, isn't it? It, it completely is. I mean, how long is it since we've even seen kids in school uniforms? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, that it's day was uh, a bit of fun as well. I think you had Rose Rush guiding you through some headshots or something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, we were pretending we were Celia Holman Lee. Yes. <laughs> yes. There, there's a role model for uh, headshots if ever there was one. Absolutely, yes. She's fantastic. <laughs> so, um... Since then, we, we've gone through this COVID pandemic, and one thing you were meant to do in the middle of the pandemic, basically, was to launch your book. Now, the way you've launched it might have changed, but you still launched your book. I did, and you know, it's it's amazing how creative people can be under pressure. And as I say, uh, necessity is the mother of invention. I think that's the saying, and um, the. Team in Omahanis, there's a fantastic team in Omahanis in Limerick. I, I, I cannot praise them highly enough. I mean, they're very creative. Uh, they've a great approach to the situation. So I had been going to do an in-person launch. I had been dealing with uh, Colette Cotter and the team in Omahanis. And just by the by, in the middle of the pandemic, uh, I had been having these email correspondences with her and I just said, oh, pity about the uh, launch, but sure, at least the book is going ahead because there was so much uncertainty and I was hearing about all these books being cancelled and publication, uh, well, not being cancelled, but the publication dates being uh, moved out. And Colette said, look, we'll, we'll put our thinking caps on, you know, we have an idea and I'll get back to you. So she came back to me and she said, look, we are going to embrace this brave new world and we're going to try and do a, a virtual launch. And she said, you know, Roisin Meany is also uh, launching her new book, The Restaurant, and Roisin's having a virtual launch. So we'll, we, you know, we'll see if we can um, do the same thing. So, you know, it, really, it was a bit of fun. Um, we went, well, it was very strange to walk down O'Connell Street with nobody in O'Connell Street yeah. I think it must have been about four or five in the afternoon. Um, I went in with two other Limerick authors, Roisin uh, Meany, as I mentioned earlier, and Judy Curtin, and we went into an empty bookshop. And I uh, did a little spiel about my book. I did a little bit of a reading. Uh, Roisin and um, Judy said a few words as well, and Colette said a few words and the people sent in other Limerick writers and family and friends and they put it together and made a bit of a, a show of it so it was really 
it was really novel and I mean, it was nerve-wracking to watch it after the event at yeah. home and not be there. You know, this kind of strange disconnect of being in your own skin and yet you're in this virtual world as well. So, you know, I think, I think it went down well. It was a bit of fun. And what was great really was, I mean, I didn't have a celebration or anything like that because it was right in the middle of lockdown and we were told we couldn't gather. But um, at one stage, uh, I looked out into the garden and my husband said, there are a lot of ladies in the garden. So I <laughs> and my book club had pitched up a totally impromptu with a, a lovely bouquet of flowers and uh, something bubbly. So we all, you know, stood around the garden and had a chat. And that, that was really fun. So, um, yeah, we, we just have to go with the way things are at the moment. And it's not such a bad way to go. And so many things have become virtual in the yeah. last while. A lot of the, the book festivals and uh, author chats like what we're doing now. So, you know, it, it's new, it's novel. And, you know, some parts of it may be here to stay after this, you know, blinking C word goes away. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> as an author, a lot of your work is done on your own anyway. So That's right. these book launches yeah. are usually a point where you actually get to meet people who will read your work. That's right. Well, I mean, uh, somebody was saying to me uh, recently, you know, well, writers tend to uh, work alone and work in isolation. And that's true. But what's been different about this situation is writers tend to do that by choice when they need space yeah. and need thinking room. But when you're forced into a situation where you're feeling isolated and it's not of your own volition and it's not something you choose to do and it's because of extraneous circumstances, you begin to rail against something like that because you're not the one in control. There are outside circumstances in control. And that, in a way, you would imagine that you'd be a lot more productive uh, in a situation like a, a pandemic. and that you would read more and write more. But I think at the beginning of all of this, it was just so hard to get your head around yeah. what was happening. And it almost felt like you were part of some huge social experiment. I mean, there's a, a film that um, oh Jim Carrey's in, and he's actually in this virtual world and everybody's watching him. Can you think of the name of that uh, film? The Truman Show? Exactly, yeah. I just watched I, it last the, night. <laughs> and I, you know, you'd go to bed at night and you'd think, God, is this some kind of, you know, Truman show? Is somebody yeah. having a laugh? Is somebody watching how we're all reacting to this? Um, but I guess that's the conspiracy theorist to me. Well, and this because is it's so, because it's so new to everyone yeah. as well. You know, it is one of yes. those things that none of us have ever experienced before and hopefully will never yeah. experience again. But yeah. it is so I new guess. that everybody deals with it differently. Yeah, and, and just to, to come back to your point, you know, that the launch is where you would typically have the human interaction. Yeah. But, you know, um, you do meet people out on the street, out for your walk, in the shops when they recognise you behind the face masks. Actually, that's quite curious how everybody still recognises <laughs> one another behind the face masks. You think nobody's going to recognise me, <laughs> but they do, and you recognise everybody else. I find that quite strange, but... Um, when you do meet people in situations like this and they say, oh, look, I, I, you know, I, heard, I heard about your book or I saw it in the uh, bookshop window or I heard about it on social media. And, you know, and then when they tell you that they've read your book, I mean, everybody's so 
kind and, and nice and they say, oh, you know, I loved your book. Um, so, but you know, you do get the, 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 the human feedback yeah. at that stage rather than at the launch. So um, I'm not sure how many authors really like the live launch situation. Um, people are different. Some people love it yeah. and, and love the chance to celebrate and all the rest. But, you know, I, I was very happy with what happened uh, for me. You know, it, it was great. Yes. Would it be like a situation where, as the author, you want people to look at the book and not look at you? Well, you see, that's it. Yes. Yeah. You, um, very much. Uh, you, you want people to see uh, the book. So, I mean, I suppose in a bookstore, when you're launching something, it, it, it's, it's, it's about the person, it's about the personality. It might be a, a little bit about the book. But, you know, what's good for um, being about the book is, I, I suppose, Bloggers are fantastic. They're, they're, they're wonderful people. I yeah. mean, they, they, they blog for, for the fun of it, you know, when they read, they read everybody's uh, books and they put so much effort into uh, doing critiques of the books. And, you know, that's a, a, a wonderful way to get your, your, your book out there. And again, I suppose uh, on social media and I suppose I'm kind of new to things like I am on Twitter and that's a that's one platform and I'm, I'm not really a facebooker i just mm. i every platform has has its own little feel and there are nuances to how you put things but uh, you know i'm i'm starting to uh dip my foot into instagram and i suppose instagram is all about seeing pictures yeah it's visual it's it's visual yeah it's it's yeah. very different um people on instagram seem to be very happy uh, and then once you've, you've been on Instagram and you go over to Twitter and you think, hmm, people on Twitter are not as happy as the people <laughs> on Instagram. So, um, the world is somewhere in between, I'd imagine. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yeah. You try and get a little bit of balance. So, yes, I mean, social media is a good way of, at the moment, of, you know, putting your, your, your book out there. And, of course, I've done um, a number of interviews like this and I... Um, I'm very grateful for, you know, all the interviews and I've had some really nice uh, feedback. I got a nice uh, review, of, a very nice review in the Irish Times last week and in the Sunday Independent a couple of weeks ago. So um, hopefully, you know, from what I'm hearing back, I think people are enjoying the uh, reading Guilty and it's... Um, I wouldn't say it's chiming with people because if it chimed with people, <laughs> I'd be a, a little bit alarmed about who my friends were. But, um, you know, when you, at a time like this, you want a little bit of, well, when you pick up a book, generally fiction, you want a little bit of escapism and, and yeah. you want a book to take you to somewhere different. And, you know, I, I think while there's lovely scenery and uh, I've set the book Guilty in Clare, um what, what what i discuss is probably well i hope it's thought-provoking it, it, mm. it presents a number of questions and when i was writing about the book i kind of envisaged or i hoped the people after reading it might get together and think well you know what what, what would i do in a situation like this there's a there's a huge um i don't want to give too much away yeah. but there's a big uh there's a big dilemma 
in in the book really and i based it on uh, not i i based it on i got the the inspiration for for uh, a story i'd heard in the media and i mean it was a horrendous story and i tried to come up with a scenario where this was crime could be understood now not that the crime could be justified or accepted in any way but i just tried to create this situation where you could think about it and peel back all the layers that um it, exposition of a crime is how i would i would describe one aspect of the book yeah. and just, just trying to understand it from my from my own point of view because i guess a lot of crime writing is uh, deals with tales of morality and they're always very interesting um, areas to look at and i guess as a crime writer sometimes you, you get to be you get to be the judge and the jury and you get to present different facets of something and you know that that was kind of what i wanted to do i wanted people to think about something like this and to put themselves in a situation and think well mm, what would i have done there and when you were writing the book did you have moral quandaries yourself thinking i did I actually should i go that way I did because, um, you know, I have heard of crime writers putting together plots and putting together first drafts and agents and editors coming back and saying, no, no, you, you, you can't put out something like that because that's not resolved in a way that's, that's moral, really. And yeah. I just found that quite, quite interesting. Um, one of the i've also written another book uh, half set in limerick and half set in new york called twisted river and i remember the first ending i had to that was what i thought was a very realistic ending mm -hmm. but what happens in real life and what happens in fiction um fiction isn't quite as uh forgiving or, or you have to come up with an ending that that's that's satisfying that people think well justice was done so really you you do have to have a, a kind of a a reader's justice at the end of yeah. a novel so as i was going along I, I did i did take lots of feedback from uh my agent and i crafted an ending that was somewhere between what i wanted and what a reader might want so yeah it was tricky yeah and there were lots of questions that i asked myself and uh, the book is behind you there on the shelf guilty um yes maybe yes. you could give yeah. our listeners just a brief synopsis of what the story is oh well i would i can give a brief synopsis or i read the blurb at the back is that just um, yeah that's perfect that's ideal yes 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 well just to jog my memory because there's so many there's a lot of different themes uh, running through the book so it's really it's about a, a heart surgeon who seems to have a perfect life and he his name is Luke Ford so Dr Luke Ford has the perfect life a respected heart surgeon he has a rewarding job a successful wife Alison and a daughter Nina from their beautiful house overlooking Carberry Lock in County Clare they present a portrait of family bliss. But over the course of one weekend, uh, Luke's life spirals into chaos. So it begins one morning. He has had a particularly uh, grueling shift in the hospital. 
and he is out trying to clear his head and he is on his cruiser on the lake and as he's coming back in he has this horrible sense of foreboding and as he looks at his boathouse at the end of the lawn he has this beautiful architect designed house he notices there's something on the boathouse and it's six large white letters freshly painted and they spell out guilty so that is the start in a number of chilling and anonymous messages that he gets he then gets a uh, a very chilling notice in the local newspaper which i, I won't go into yeah. in too much detail because i think that would give too much away but um it becomes clear to him that you know somebody knows he, he's a troubled man and somebody knows the dark secret that he is hiding and somebody is out to get him so that's really what it's about it's about somebody he has the perfect life he also has a guilty secret but somebody wants revenge it's all so, based in county clare <laughs> it's it's all going on in county clare <laughs> now i hasten to add that um of course it's fiction the hospital is fiction the setting is fictional although i did draw a lot from i mean county clare is a great place to it's just over well, we're on the cusp of county clare really yeah. where we are um you know it, it's beautiful landscape, landscape. Yeah. yes yes you, you, you've got a lot of things going on you've got um you know the the cliffs of moor you've got kind of the the windswept peninsula that is loop head you've got the burren all these you know fissures and limestone mm -hmm. and caves and these lakes that appear out of nowhere and disappear out of nowhere turlocks i mean i that, that's really curious to me and you have then the the more genteel lakeland and rolling hills uh around the lakes so there's plenty to choose from really yeah i just thought well i set twisted river half of it in limerick half in new york and i thought well i just i just go slightly over the border into clare for <laughs> um for guilty yes and the uh, one thing i was going to ask was because we're in a lockdown, people have a lot more time to read. So has that helped yes. with the reception of your book, do you think? Yes, from, uh, yes, from what I'm hearing back, um, it has. Um, it's, it's certainly doing very well in Limerick. And I'm hearing that I haven't traveled too far around the country, but people are telling me, oh, I've you know, seen your book. Mm -hmm. Easton's Dubray and Galway all over Tesco here there and everywhere and then I'm hearing that it's sold out in various shelves so you know hopefully people are, are, are reading it and I yes people seem to be a lot more engaged and of course then you have book clubs and there's some of the book clubs are starting up again because you can have stuff outside although i guess the summertime can can be kind of quiet so i believe that there's a lot of interest from book clubs as well in the book because i i think there'd be you know lots of things to discuss <laughs> you know I, I i think there'd be lots of questions that the book might 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 uh, throw up and you said the uh, inspiration came from uh, media coverage of a crime uh, did you read yes. that media coverage and straight away say I have to write a book about this or did inspiration come sometime after? 
Well, it stayed with me for such a long time that it, um, I, I, I guess I mulled it over in the back of my head over, over a number of years, actually. This isn't something that happened in the recent past. So it, yes, I, I did feel like, did feel like writing about it. Yes. And the inspiration I can't something too much more yeah. about it really because it would give the story away and yeah. also um I'm just careful what I say. Yeah. So how long was the process of this book in total, would you say? Well, it took me about about nine months initially to write, and then I gave it to my agent and there was a lot of toing and froing with my agent. There was a little bit of work on restructuring and because it deals with flashbacks. So I have present day and then I, I've about a two, two or three different timelines going on. So that's actually from a writer's point of view that, that can be very tricky and you need to make sure that you keep the reader with you as well. Then my agent obviously sent a publisher quickly enough. So from possibly about maybe a year and a half. Yeah, a year and a half. It was, it was from, from the time it was accepted by the publisher to being published here in Ireland. That, that was quite quick, actually. Yeah. yeah. Other books you've written are thrillers as well? Crime. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, where does the love for writing crime come from? I grew up reading a lot of thrillers and mystery. And I love detective programs and I love real life mystery. So I just think a lot of the time in, in crime and thrillers, you have flawed characters and they can be very interesting to, to just dissect yeah. and figure out what made them the way they are and why they do what they are. So, yeah, that, that's just where I feel at home. And in terms of the process, would you start from the end and make your way back like would you start with the actual crime and then add layers onto that with mr it opened with the body of a woman in a boot down uh by the Curragower falls okay so i think readers of crime you have to get them immediately and they have to be hooked immediately mm-hmm. the opening for guilty was slightly different I just wanted to build an air of menace from the beginning, but I didn't actually start with a crime in the beginning. And with I've written another book called The Blue Pool. So ever and The Blue Pool are available in ebook. Okay, very good. And uh, obviously Guilty is available nationwide at this point, I'd imagine. It is, it is. It's in all the bookshops, it's in the supermarkets, it's in Tesco, it's in Omani's, in Limerick, I guess, Ennis, it's in Dubray, Eason's, um, got a bookshop, all, all these places, yes. <laughs> and on yes. Amazon as well, I, I think. It's, and uh, Amazon as well, yes, 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 yes. Um, yes. Nicer to support local in these trying times, I think. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's got, it's, it's a... Uh, very disappointing to hear Eason's is going in the north of Ireland. There, there's 114 people yeah. are losing their jobs. So you know, we don't want that to 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 spread or become a thing. So yeah, and there's a lot yeah. more than books in Eason's. They kind of um, they they cover a lot. There's arts. There's everything. You know, yeah. everything. Yeah, um, yeah. All the when I used to do art at school, you'd go in and get your huge yeah. big 
ads and your, 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 your yeah. yeah yes yes and then with, with your own work how can people keep up to date i know you mentioned your twitter there uh yes i'm on uh twitter and um, if you just um google me i'm uh, siobhan m mcd is my twitter handle I, I sometimes think I should change the Twitter handle. It's not the easiest one, but it's the one that I started off with. And then to change it, then you, I, I, <laughs> so that's where you can find me. <laughs> and then uh, your, your website is Siobhan, Siobhan McDonald. McDonald.com. Yes. Perfect. Uh, Siobhan, thanks very much for joining us. And hopefully people pick up guilty and give it a read. Thank you. You get some more feedback. I hope best to look with everything. Lovely to talk to you, Kian. Yeah, you That's too. Wonderful. Thanks for joining us today. And I didn't get to see your little doggy at all. Yeah, he's fast asleep here beside me. Um, oh, right. He was snoring away. I, I'm not sure if I should wake him or not, but he sleeps a lot. <laughs> let, let sleeping dogs lie. Here now. Yes. You won't show him. There's Breezy. <laughs> oh, he's gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. he's my right hand man he's the best colleague I've ever had in an office <laughs> <laughs> very good he doesn't answer back no yes. he doesn't no <laughs> very yeah. lazy though that's the only thing <laughs> Siobhan thanks very much for joining us and best of luck with everything thank you Kia. you've been listening to the We Are Limerick podcast for more podcasts visit limerickpost.ie forward slash podcasts and you can keep up to date with all Limerick news by following the hashtag keeping Limerick posted across all social media channels. <laughs>